and welcome to Chasing the Peloton. My name is Peter, and this is episode 5 of our series, Meet the Migration of Growl Racers. And today we have our first duo, the adventure mountain biking pair of Angus Douglas Hamilton and David Carroll. For Angus and David, what started as a hobby and a way to keep fit has led to something of an obsession that will take them not only to the Migration Gravel Race, but also to Cape Epic in South Africa. Both these guys have been in Kenya for many years, and I think they have a really important and unique perspective on cycling in the country. From what it's like to ride there, to how cycling has boomed in recent years, and what the future holds for a country with big potential. As always, if you like this conversation, please go and follow us on Instagram. We are at Chasing the Peloton. And also rate and review this show via whatever platform you're listening to us on. So here's my conversation with Angus and David. And we begin by talking about the Cape Epic race in South Africa. Turned up in, in Cape Town in, uh, in March 2020 for the, uh, for the Cape Epic. We're literally starting the race the following day and they cancelled it at, what, 9pm the day before, Angus? Yeah, I mean, literally everyone was dressed up in their national gear yeah. uh, around the pool waiting for the announcement. And they came onto the stage and uh, the first thing they said was, this is the story you don't want to hear. No. And everybody's hearts sank. So were you expecting it or was it still quite a, a, a surprise? No, I mean, we, we were kind of zoned into the, uh, you know, we're all zoned into the race. You know, we yeah. kind of turned our phones off. We were, you know, we've been training for a whole year, right? So yeah. We're ready to go. We're blocked off our phones. We're not talking to anyone. We've got our bikes ready. We've done some training rides. And then uh, our wife, you know, my wife called me in tears. And I was like, what? Why Why? The, why are you crying? She's like, oh, this corona's really, I don't know. My family are in UK. I'm in Kenya. You're in... And I'm like, what What the hell is she talking about? So I was like, no, it'll be fine. And then and then we, then we, Angus phoned his wife. And it was like, oh, Dave, this is quite bad. <laughs> <laughs> everyone was catching well, then, the last flight you remember yeah so we we got the like, the last flight out of out of Joburg, didn't we like literally that sounds like quite a, <laughs> quite a, quite a happening there so um where am i where am i speaking to you both from um kind of set the scene where, where are you guys so i'm i'm in i'm in rwanda uh, okay. at the moment i'm i'm on a year's assignment i've been here for what, 10 months now building a power plant in rwanda so i'm okay. down in the middle of middle of nowhere in the bush mm. um yeah building power stations and cycling every day <laughs> ah, there's, there's worse things to be doing certainly <laughs> absolutely yeah. Yeah, so I'm actually in at the moment. I'm actually in Oxford. Okay. I've been uh, I've been normally based out in Nairobi, uh, mm. but I, I jumped on a flight to come over um, for a couple of weeks, and now all the flights have been shut uh, because there's uh, Kenya's gone onto the red list since yeah. I arrived. So it's a bit of a drama, but hoping to be back by the end of April. Yeah, I'm normally based in Nairobi as well. That's where I'm. That's where my house is. I live there. My family is there. But okay. I'm just here, here temporarily in Rwanda, just for the one year assignment. So, how did you guys come to come to meet and come to be be cycling buddies? Um, I was getting fat, basically. <laughs> I'd, I'd been cycling when I was a kid, and and Angus was like. Dave, let's do some cycling, because Angus always been a keen cyclist. Cycle, yeah, you've been cycling around all over the place uh, on, on his hybrid bike. 
and eventually he said, "Come on, Dave. I know you used to cycle. Come and give us a, come and give us a, a ride." So I got on my, um, I got on my uh, road bike as it was then, and we did forty-five k's, and I was dead at the end of it. Mm. And then uh, that was it. It was hooked. It's like okay, and then we eventually got better and better bikes, and ended up entering Cape Epic <laughs> after after Which... like four years of of cycling. I mean, yeah, even even less, I would say two years. I mean, it was yeah. it was something which went from a, a, a hobby. I mean, we'd always been keen on yeah. it, but something that went from a hobby to being an obsession within 24 months. And uh, <laughs> Dave is particularly obsessed. I think. <laughs> um, he, he even uh, bought a bought a bike shop and took on uh, giant Kenya. So he's uh, he really yeah. has taken it very seriously. Um, uh, but t together, we we really enjoy uh, we enjoy riding together. We're, we're, we're quite different. Um, mm. he's, he's much more of a, he, he's kind of, uh, stamina. Uh, he's like a diesel engine. I'm a okay. bit more of a petrol engine. Okay. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm I, I like the short speeds, the little hills, and he, he likes to go all day. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> you require yeah. more specialized fuel, Angus. I do. That's I do. Right. High octane. Um, yeah. but then it runs out. <laughs> yeah, and I, I kind of do the navigation and the mechanics bit, and Angus does the adventure bit. He's an explorer. So okay. he's like, Dave, let's go down here. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not on my GPS, Angus. I can't <laughs> go down there. And he's like, oh, and he's already gone. And you, you're, you're going off somewhere. You have no idea in the middle of nowhere. And then and it generally, generally, generally there's, there's, a, there's a track at the end or a goat mm. trail or some cows have come past, and we end up going through someone's mm. garden, and then we get back onto the trail. <laughs> and I guess that's the kind of the, the state of affairs in, in much of Kenya. I mean, there's, there's tracks out there, but whether they're covered by GPS or whether they're on the map is a, is a different thing, right? Uh, I would say 95% of them, we don't follow tracks. Right. Okay. <laughs> We're just on goat tracks, but goat tracks and, and motorbike, we call them bodder bodders. So motorbikes are the best things for uh, creating uh, little trails, little single right. tracks, because mm. they pack them hard. They uh, create a nice little loose surface over the top and they kind of wear them down and then, then they get used by the goats and the cows and, uh, and so on. And um, yeah, these are the best trails to go on because you don't get traffic. You guys have done a lot of cycling off-road in Kenya. Oh, so you're yeah, probably the, the guys to talk to in terms of what to expect for the, the conditions and the, the surfaces when it comes to the migration gravel race. Yeah, what can we say about it, Angus? I mean, we've had everything. We we, it's pretty attritional. So so the main thing is, you know, you'll have uh, you know the odd sharp rock sticking out, the odd uh, you know two inch thorn that goes into the tire, that mm. may, and even maybe goes through the tubeless uh, the tubeless um, you know layer. Um, Angus blows out rear tires all the time. Because he's faster than me, so I follow him all the on time. On those uphill sprints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's always he's always smashing his rear tire. <laughs> where we where we ride, I mean, we're very lucky. We we uh, we start in Nairobi and we head out. We we start at about five and a half thousand feet, mm. and uh, then we head off up to the edge of the Rift Valley and drop drop down into the Rift Valley, which is uh, quite rocky. It's uh, I would say it's quite heavy duty Murram. Um, mm. So most of our riding is is on on rough, very rough, rocky Murram. And um, there are some nice single trail smooth tracks, which have been smoothed down by all the livestock um, and the border borders. 
but the rest of it is 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 quite hardcore and it's a little bit technical. Um, and uh, occasionally at the beginning and the end of the rides, we tend to go through nice indigenous forests again, single trail. Mm. Um, quite a lot of snagging, but uh, but very varied. You know, our rides are uh, three, four, five hours. We would spend, I would say, ninety percent of it off road. Um, and of that, at least half of that would be single track and the other half's probably uh, trails and perhaps like farm tracks, I would say, but uh, a bit rougher than you'd expect elsewhere. Yeah, and I think so. so and down in the Mara will be uh, a little bit different as well, Angus. It'll be, you know, a lot of thorns, definitely down in the Mountain Mara way. Uh, what you'll find is a lot of uh, wide gravel roads, but heavily cut up heavily corrugated, um, so a lot of vibrations, maybe some sharp stones in the middle, and then the climbs will be, you know, water eroded. So they'll be very technical, right. technical. you'll have to weave left and right, mm. uh, hop over some rocks, keep the momentum going. Um, yeah, and, and hope you don't get stuck in a, you're watching the trail all the time so you don't get stuck in a washout. Every time I've fallen off in Kenya, it's been because of a washout or a, or a, uh, something on the trail that you've got to avoid. So that, 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 that leads to kind of, what would you say is the right bike choice for this kind of thing? It sounds, it sounds quite technical. Oh, we, we, well, you know, I, I, I'm a bike shop owner, right? So I'm a yeah. giant dealer for Kenya. So I, I'm spoiled for choice and, and Angus, and obviously me and Angus have you know, like $7,000 sub 10 kilo mountain bikes that we mm. are fully, we've done 20,000 kilometers on in the last two years training for, for Cape Epic. So it's natural for us to want to jump on our mountain bikes and, and go for it. Now, some insiders tell us that two of the stages are mountain bike, two are gravel. Um, so, you know, I've been testing out gravel bikes because they're, because frankly, I think they're cool. Yeah. And it's very intense. You really got to watch the trail. You've really got to get your braking points proper. Otherwise, you know, you'll shoot around that you shoot off the corner, whereas a mountain bike, you'll get away with it. So it's well, gravel bike, I think will be faster, but it's way more intense. It's like, Oh my God, I'm riding a gravel bike. Whereas a mountain bike is, Oh, look at the zebra. Oh, yeah. look at the giraffe. It'll be a bit like that. I'm afraid. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely erring towards mountain bike. Okay. Well, I think, yeah, I think hardtail mountain bike with some skinny tires. That's what I reckon. Something else to factor in. And if anyone else is listening, <laughs> might, that might complicate things even more. Exactly. That's the point. I've got some available in a shop in Nairobi, if you like. But yeah, if, if David's the guy to speak to if you, if you, if, if you want. It's a good sales pitch. Um, but it bring, raises an interesting topic, kind of leading back to the ethos of the migration gravel race. You both, well, you mentioned that you've got very uh fancy sub 10 kgs mountain bikes but a large part of this and a, a significant portion of the the places in this are reserved for for local east african riders who are not necessarily afforded yeah. that kind of luxury and i'm interested Correct. in both of your perspective as as people who are there in nairobi and and cyclists but more let's say more privileged what does this type of event mean for for the local community within cycling yeah let's let me talk a little bit I'm, I'm a bit more tuned in than angus maybe um so so basically the guys have talent right you know yeah. they they are 
awesome. They they are incredibly talented. You know the 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 Kenyan riders, the pros that that cycle all the time. But even the amateurs who do the you know the road racing in uh, you know the road racing and time tri- time trials in and out of Nairobi, they've got the equipment, they they have the talent, but they don't have the opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, this kind of race will uh, this is exactly fits in. This is exactly what Armani is, are, are trying to do. You know, this trying to show off uh, a beautiful location, tough conditions, what the athletes can do how they can fix their own bikes, how they can survive on no water. And, and uh, you, do you know what I mean? How yeah. these, you know, that they are, they are, you know, the marathon runners of the, of the bike. Well, you know, nobody beats a Kenyan on, in the marathon. And, and, and it's the same on a bicycle. I'm very sure. Mm. Um, they just, they just used to that tough, harsh, harsh conditions. Uh, and, and, and uh, in even the bikes, they will. Uh, they'll get on the gravel with their thirty-eight mil tires and just crack on. And, and they'll be like, "Why are you? Why are you on a mountain bike? Are you? You know, you say more privilege, but also means much more soft." <laughs> yeah. Well, I spoke to um, Josh Ibbett a couple of weeks ago, and he he was he touched on that as well in terms of we can much more afford to to buy that extra bit of speed rather than working for it. That's right. That's right. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they perform. I'm, I'm actually sponsoring one of the local guys, a guy called Sully, with some gravel stuff, yeah. some equipment, and and trying to see how he gets on, you know, without any equipment restrictions, and and see if he can do it. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the other thing is I think we got, we got an opportunity with Swift. I think that's another thing for East African riders, mm. uh, where they can show on the world stage. I think. Uh, if we can start something with the migration, uh, I think it's, it should start as a movement and grow as an event and, and grow with that kind of ethos of, of competition and, and inclusion yeah. uh, of the local riders. Then we, we can try and get something swift, swift related going as well, because, you know, that's really where anyone in the world can see what's happening. Uh, maybe so hopefully some of these guys, some of these ladies, the very good ladies there can get their name uh in in highlights in some international press maybe someone might go and look at them doing their swift rides and see what happens so if we're having this conversation in i don't let's say a year's time maybe even five years time and the the race has been a success what 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 would be the legacy um the legacy will be uh a firstly hopefully some some guys will have been noticed some ladies will have been noticed and that will start some seeds um, you know, if they get some opportunities to race in Europe or further afield, um, and and then you know it will be a further event. You know, it, other people say I can get noticed. It'll hopefully start a chain reaction of, mm. of that kind of talent. I think the other thing, Dave, is that um, I, I've seen over the last three or four years is that Kenya is having a, a cycling revolution. I mean, right. yeah. you, you've never seen so many people out on bikes. If you if you went to Nairobi five years ago, you'd barely see a cyclist. And if you did, you know, they'd be on an old black mamba, um, you know, just sort of delivering uh, their wares to the market. Now uh, you're seeing pro- proper equipment. There's a lot of equipment, secondhand equipment coming in from Europe. Um, there's a lot of people who are becoming totally obsessed with cycling and in a really good way. Because, of course, as Dave said, I mean, uh, any marathon anywhere in the world is being run and won by Kenyans. Um, mm. So it's a natural progression for them to 
go into cycling on a competitive basis. And what's, what we're seeing is really exciting stuff. And there's, there's some real characters getting out there. There is definitely limitations on the, the cost of equipment. There's no doubt about that, but it, it is changing. And I think mm. if you saying, what's the legacy? I think it's inspiring young riders to, uh, you know, to save up and, and invest in this, this kind of future for themselves. Um, and we're seeing that we're seeing people just loving it. And, and I mean, the Facebook, if you, if you look on the uh, Kenyan riders, Facebook pages, yeah. uh, there's hundreds of riders uh, and every week, every, every month, there's more and more people getting involved and, and talking. Um, and they're quite a sort of uh, quite a, a close knit bunch of people. You know, if, if there's any trouble with, uh, with vehicles pushing them right. off the road yeah. and that sort of thing. You know, safety on the roads is, is a big issue in Kenya mm. and anywhere in the world for that matter. Well, it's also conservation as well. There's been a few, you know, it leads to people trying to protect the, the sacred places in Kenya. That's, you know, people like riding in the wild and they want to protect it. We found this in the local forests, actually, in Olalua Forest, just outside um, on the edge of Nairobi. We're, we're members of the uh, sort of friends of Olalua Forest, and there's a whole bunch of people joining forces there to stop rubbish being dumped and right, trees okay. being cut and that mm. sort of thing. So this is another thing that sort of they kind of feed into each other. Yeah. Um, the more people get out there in the bush, the more they recognize how, how beautiful it really is. Yeah, I think it really is powerful. Something you just alluded to there, Angus, in terms of forming a community that is tight knit, and then it, it does broaden out into these things around um, diversity and around conservation and being a bit more aware of what's going on in your local area and a bit further afield. I think that's the beauty of of what cycling brings. Yeah, totally. And we're seeing that in a big way in Nairobi and um, and all over Kenya. Um, and it's quite exciting. There's there's uh, cycling clubs sparking up in Nanyuki in the north and and uh, Kisumu in the west. Um, and, and that's, of course, creating a, a bit of competition between the different regions, which is also healthy. Yeah. Um, so talking about how well, talking about new cyclists getting into cycling in Kenya. Um, David, you you mentioned about your journey into cycling in more recently in terms of losing some weight. Um, how did it start out for you, Angus? Your cycling journey. <laughs> well, I, I, I was I was very keen as as a student, and uh, to be very honest, I mean, I pretty much had a break for thirty years. Right. Um, so um, <laughs> I'm definitely a bit of a vet cyclist, and uh, uh, I I was similar to Dave. I think I I, I hit fifty, and uh, and my wife said, "I'm going to get you." I'm going to get you a bike for your birthday, and, uh, and you're like, okay, I take the hint. <laughs> and that was that was it. That was it. I'm I'm a complete addict now, and I yeah. I, I love it, and I, I'm so glad that I've gone down this road because I've gone back to something which was one of my greatest hobbies in the past, mm. and um, it's a great way of life. It's a great community, and um, and Dave and I, you know, have just had masses amounts of fun uh, traveling around, uh, entering races. We've got a stack of races to our name local local races mm. and uh, meeting people and uh, I, of course it's the equipment is fun and the uh, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know it's, it's great to get out into the wild as well now it's nice to have a partner that nice to have a nice to you know do something like or plan for something like the Cape Epic it gives us you know there's two of us we're yeah. both doing the same training we both get out there there's always two of us go it's uh, it's, it's really good fun so speaking of the Cape Epic, you mentioned, Angus, that you'd already done some races together and got some results. Was Cape Epic kind of like a, the next level up in terms of 
let's say level of races that you guys have entered uh, yes no I mean it's ridiculous I mean I what were we thinking I mean I think at the beginning <laughs> we, we we just it was Dave it's I, I blame him completely he uh, you know he's he's always like that because he's quite an extreme character he he, he won't uh, he, he won't go for the easy ones and right. um, we we it, it was his idea and we, when we applied for it he said don't worry it's a lottery we won't get in on the first three or four years so on hmm. year one on year one we got in and he was like, <laughs> he was like, <laughs> like oh, holy moly, what are we going to do? We better get training. So we, we, that, that was really the, the beginning. And that, that's what got us into some serious training. And, and mm. we had to really pull our fingers out and get on with it. And I guess that yeah. also then led to the entering the migration as well, kind of getting ambitious with. Well, uh, yeah, the migration's like, you know, okay, what, what do we do? What events are coming out that are really hard? Because, you know, we've been training for eight days, stage races, 100 Ks a day, 2,000 meters of climbing every mm. day for, you know, so we're like, what can we do that's really hard? And I, I know Simon Blake and I know James Savage is, you know, some of the organizers. Yeah. And they're like, just keep an eye on this. We're trying to do something. We're organizing something. And then when it came up, you know, I was like, Angus, sign, enter. Now let's go. Because we've been training for this thing for two years and not yeah. done anything with it apart from local races. So it's like, okay, this is going to be hard. This has got diesel engine written all over it. Let's go. <laughs> mm. It sounds a little bit my, like my journey to the to the race. Well, your, your journey to um, Cape Epic, I, I kind of entered assuming that nothing would come of it. And then when I got the email saying, congratulations i was like uh right okay um okay now now what <laughs> now, now, now what do i do i better start cycling and and actually it's amazing how much something like that can can focus your your efforts yeah and not just your training efforts but suddenly for me it was kind of things like getting good night's sleep getting on a proper yeah, diet totally. trying to lose a little bit of weight and totally. especially during the last year of, of lockdown something that gives a little bit of structure and a, a goal was was a godsend pretty much yeah i mean angus and i even gave up drinking for three months right i think that was three months right yeah i mean if you knew if you know when you get to know us you'll know this is not a thing (laughs) that we normally do (laughs) (laughs) you know you find yourself watching youtube and looking at programs and training things and now we've got these trainers and suffer fest and doing intervals and they were like angus we're going for a ride and it's no longer a ride that's up the hill in the wind farm and in a sandwich it's going up and down the hill up and down up and down you know trying to get stronger it's uh, it all of a sudden turns into you know a way of life instead of just some event that, yeah. that, that's at the end of it almost a journey you know basically and that that's the journey with the cape epic and the gravel race uh, you know is you're doing the training so that you can enjoy the event infinitely more. You know, eight hours on a bike with a sore yeah. ass is, is not something that's going to be fun. Even if there is a zebra there, right? You could be yeah. like, I can't wait. But whereas getting a mile, getting fit, getting the miles in, getting the right gear, you know, and being able to enjoy it, you know, and spend mm. six hours, not eight in the saddle is, yeah. uh, will be amazing. And part of my thinking as well is not that I'm necessarily the international caliber of athlete that, uh, is going to necessarily challenge for the top places. But given that places have been fairly restricted, I, I don't want to not, I, it's almost, I don't want to no, let anyone down right. by turning up yeah, and kind right. of like taking up yeah, a place of someone honestly, who would, yeah. We feel the same. Be the guy. They don't want to be the guy in the brim wagon at the back. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> but but just in case I'm doing this podcast and speaking to to people to to kind of do a little bit of publicity for the race, just in case I'm still that guy at the back. But um, <laughs> it's it's amazing. You mentioned something like the the Sufferfest and actually tracking numbers and and not getting too heavy into it because I'm really trying to focus. Yes, I'm doing significantly more hours a week on the bike, but so long as I'm still enjoying it, that's the important thing. Totally. But again, just having a little bit of focus and being able to track your performance, it's amazing what you can achieve and how adaptable the human body is once once you get into these things. Yeah, yeah. you start putting it through some stress and giving it rest and feeding it what it actually wants as opposed to what it's there. It's, it's incredible. And so... Um, with the unfortunate double delay of the Cape Epic and, well, fingers crossed, not a delay of the migration gravel race. Um, how's your training going at the moment? Yeah, great. I'm doing, I've done three and a half thousand Ks this year already. Because uh, I'm one of the things I'm down in Rwanda, I've got my gravel bike. And, yeah. you know, Rwanda is our most beautiful country. It's called the land of the thousand hills. So mm. for, for gravel riding, it's 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 uh, unbelievable you know lots of little hundred meter climbs up down up down constantly undulating i'll send you a couple of photos afterwards and see great, my yeah. ride my my ride this morning there's a view on there's a view every 20 minutes you get to another top there's another view it's uh and because i'm in a you know work environment on the construction camp i've managed to get out most most mornings most evenings i'm on uh swift with some kenyan guys you know, we, we have a little Swift club. We get cool. together and ride ride around Paris or somewhere. Um, so training lots, yeah, hmm. done, done lots. Trying Actually, resting is the biggest problem I've got. Right, okay, <laughs> not getting too carried away. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. exactly, yeah. And is it mud, muddy Oxfordshire trails for you, Angus? Well, I mean, yeah, good point. It's actually so cold here. I've, I've spent more time in the shed than I have out on, uh, mm. on the muddy trails. So, uh, but I'm hoping it's going to warm up a little bit. I mean, I'll be here for a couple of weeks and, yeah. uh, and I'm hoping I can get a bit of, bit of that in, but I it, really, the best place is, is in the rift. You know, when you're back in, in Nairobi, you can, you can do a hundred K ride down into the rift and get sort of 16 to 1800 meters of climbing, um, in, in 80 to hundred and it's just you know it's hot it's dry yeah. it's uh, and and it's going to be very very similar to the kind of riding that that uh, we're going to see in the mara um so that's what, what's more... the altitude what's the altitude in the mara angus down there by it's it's North a bit mara. lower it's it's slightly lower but um so we we, we should have a good advantage if we if, we, if we're riding at uh, five and a half Ooh, to six thousand totally good yeah <laughs> yeah i think you've got an advantage over me I, I barely get over 500 meters in the peak district but uh i'm, I'm trying <laughs> yeah i mean at the moment it's kind of winter riding uh which is fine but it's it's very temporary i i wouldn't rely on 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 that i think um yeah lots of hills i mean it's, it, i think you're gonna find in the mara uh rocky hills uh the more hills you can do before the better um, yeah the rest of it's just riding and uh yeah, uh, I don't think it, it, there's going to be elements of technical in day one and two, but I think day two is um, extremely long day and yeah. about three thousand meters of climbing. So that that that's going to be the one that's mm. going to really uh, split the group up. Um, mm. And I think if you get through day two, I think three and four uh, is is survival. Um, <laughs> mm. 
Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I think it, it is it is all about supporting the local riders. And and uh, and for us, that was really the also, apart from the challenge of doing it ourselves and pitting ourselves against uh, those young riders, I think it's it's also about supporting those teams um, like Amani and, and others and uh, encouraging them to keep going and, and, you know, keep getting young people involved. And, yeah. uh, and I think that will continue. I mean, D Dave is a massive, he's very modest about it but he's a massive supporter of all these all these clubs and uh and he's very very encouraging and i think if it wasn't for him over the last couple of years the, there would be less people cycling i think he's he's constantly sponsoring encouraging supporting mm. turning up um and he's quite loud uh, you might have noticed but he's he, he's even louder when it when he's out there with the cyclists and and he gets i'll hear to, him coming up behind me or you will you will <laughs> oh definitely will we're sure paid up, paid up. <laughs> so on that note david i my understanding is that that your bike shop is kind of the first of its kind in kenya uh, kind kind of yeah. I mean, it's like um, there are lots of bike shops, mm. so so not to take anything away from anybody, but but Giant really helped us to uh, you know they wanted to get into East Africa in a big way. They gave us some good prices so that we could uh, nearly match you know the world market. Customs mm. is a bit tricky in East Africa, but we're, we're almost there, and and we just set up a shop that looks like you're in Dubai. I mean, right? You know, we've just shown everybody that bike shops. Bike shops can work, uh, and now there's lots more. You know, we and we putting giant bikes out there. You know, it's it's not only creating people have access. I mean, that's why I bought the shop because I couldn't get a bike. I went from my 26 inch Gary Fisher during the race to like, oh my flip, I need a new one, hmm. uh, and not being able to get one. Uh, and and that's what it's provided. It, it is a reliable source of of you know you know they have a, they have a bike for everybody. They have a yeah. huge 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 range and. And they're okay. They're reasonably priced, and they got generally good spec equipment for, for East Africa. They're really good quality, really good warranty service, uh, and and providing that that line of new bikes, is, is, especially during COVID. Okay, I just so happen to be lucky that we mm. not lucky for COVID, but we've been able to provide people with looking to getting into cycling. You know, low end, cheap quality. You know, high quality, um, high quality bikes at a low cost. Uh, yeah. so that they can get out on the trails get looking i mean in fact now this is one of the problems we have in nairobi with what do people do now so they are the, thousands of people have bought these you know uh, reasonably priced mountain bikes and they're and they're getting out on the trails but now they want to join a club well what do we do next with it mm, where do we go right. you know yeah. i don't want to cycle up and down the bypass every day i want to go in the forest so so this is what we're trying to develop here now a, a kind of uh what do people do next and then when they ride in a group uh, we we've got a club called what is it cranky nuts mountain bike club okay. and there's like 100 people on a whatsapp group who say who's going riding and every day there's a new one a new a new one a new one a new one new, new guys and ladies coming in coming in all the time um so creating a second hand market for bikes creating access to new bikes creating events and ride outs and things like that that's that's it's going crazy it really is it, yeah and it sounds like there's there's the more there are there's the more there's access to this kind of the higher end stuff the more the more trickle down happens in terms of absolutely correct to absolutely bikes. correct that's exactly what it's about yeah. yeah that's exactly what it's about talking of um races or, or clubs i saw something about the migration gravel series 
Yep. There's been what were you guys involved in that at all? We did. I, I yeah. was awesome in that race. I was seventh oh. out of sixty-two people. That's nice. the best race I've ever, ever <laughs> done in my life. <laughs> and Angus that... wasn't there. We went. We went together. Unfortunately, Angus was away. Sadly, yeah, yeah. Your wife's birthday, which is always the thing you should do: not yes, go please. cycling with your with your friends. Priorities. <laughs> Priorities. Yes. yes. <laughs> So, so, yeah, so we went the gravel race. It was uh, debatable whether it was gravel. It was on the edge between mountain bike and gravel. You know, yeah. it was 1,500 metres of climbing and 60 k's. A couple of navigational uh, hazards to, to, to get past. But, you know, it's really opening up, uh, you know, Alan and Sully, the organisers. You know, always in Nairobi and Kenya, it's been either a road race or a mountain bike race or an XC right. race. Mm. Like a marathon 50 60 k's up a mountain cycle back uh or or a road race you know 70 80 100 k's up a mountain and, and come back down so you know but gravel provides you know a bit of more outdoorsy little bit more outside of of nairobi yeah um, but not overly technical really that it makes it completely yeah yeah that's inaccessible. absolutely yeah. correct you don't you don't need a dropper post and a full suspension carbon bike you can you can have your, you know, your five hundred dollar uh, bike from the supermarket, and mm. and you'll get round without too much stress, without too many breakdowns. You know, and and the, and the nature of it was self navigation, right. so you don't need so many marshals. It's trying to teach people. I think it's a good thing. A lot of people complain because they need now they need a GPS and there's no marshals or chalk marks, but we're trying to be, you know, less. Uh, on the less, uh, you know, harmful to the environment. You're not leaving markers or chalk marks. You're not, right. you know, having trying to run events cheaply with uh, hardly any marshals, um, and trying to trying to get more events done. So instead of spending money on on marshals and chalk, you can maybe award some prize money so that there could be some pros. Eventually, that's yeah. That's the end. The end game is to get some get some teams. Uh, get something together, maybe get some corporates involved. You know, that's how you to to grow it uh, there. Try and get some corporates, get some prize money, get people winning money, and then you get some teams, and then you know people can see where the future is, where their future is, or budding cyclists can see where that is. You know, it sounds like it's very much, very much on the right way in terms of something Angus mentioned earlier. The last four or so years, four or five years, just seeing a massive boom in cycling. It sounds like. Some structures also been put in place where actually it's going to build a foundation, like for example, your shop or the the races that are taking part. That, that yeah. there's, gonna, that there's the ceiling isn't isn't there yet in terms of um, where this can go. That's right. It's about plug-in holes, plug-in holes which were not there before. So access to new bikes. Okay, Dave did that. Now I'm trying to get the Shimano, you know, a dealership for East Africa because everybody has to go to South Africa or UK. Right. So I'm trying to get that that in. So that then people have spares. Okay, spares are sorted. Okay, now where are the races? So there's enough individuals to do the races. And it's like, okay, now where are the corporates to support these races? You know, filling in the blocks, building mm. the bridges, uh, and, and it'll get there. It'll get there. Very much grassroots. I mean, I think it's these things are being built by private individuals. You know, there's, there's, there really hasn't been massive sort of corporate sponsorship or anything like that. It's mm. been very much uh, people who had a bit of time on their hands or the interest to do it, who have put these events together from nothing. And, um, and it just takes a few 
really enthusiastic people to 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 generate the interest from everybody else and of course mm. when there's competition then people get really excited yeah. everyone loves a race i'm curious kind of changing tack a little bit um about how you you both ended up in in kenya um Ooh, david you mentioned dear. about the uh you you're currently building a power station so maybe i'm guessing you've got something to yeah do with power the energy plants. Industry, I'm, a, but... I'm, I'm a nuclear engineer yeah i'm okay. a, like nuclear fizzy kind of guy I worked at sizeful b power station for a forever uh and then when i got uh, got kept getting promoted and then when i got to the top of the nuclear industry my wife kind of said okay i want to go and live in nairobi because that's where my sister lives right because so joe's my wife's sisters lived in kenya like 30 odd years married a kenyan moved to kenya so always been on holiday always uh, uh you know coming out to kenya she said i'm going i want to go live with my sister you have to give up your job the power plant and you have to make a career of something so that's basically what we did we i jacked everything in we op i opened a consultancy company in nairobi and mm. i've worked yeah ever since like that and that was when 12 13 years ago well, yeah. I've, I've got, I have some energy industry experience. So if I really get taken by Kenya, I might be asking you for a job at the end of the migration grant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 10 years have taken it out of me, I can tell you. So, yeah. so basically the migration gravel race also, you know, my project is finishing here in Rwanda, basically in May, beginning of June. So yeah. when I finished here, I'll be going back to Kenya. I'll do a couple of weeks training and I will be free of the energy industry. I'll be able to focus on right. my bike business. Which okay. is so it'll be a bit of a oh, it'll be a bit of an epiphany for me by June. So it's almost your not necessarily retirement, but um, career change celebration. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> and Angus, how did you end up in in Kenya? Uh, yes, well, I, I came out here when I was eighteen, and mm. um, I've been sort of here on and off for thirty years. I've been lived in Kenya for twenty five years, um, working in agriculture. Okay. Um, so I've I've been uh, uh, I've done livestock ranching um uh, a bit of horticulture uh, and i'm now working with a seed company so i i develop uh, vegetable varieties for east africa so we 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 trial new varieties and we uh, work with smallholder farmers to to train people up to get better better rewards from their crops okay. and um yeah it's a very it's very rewarding work um mm. quite tough a lot of travel i work all the way through uh, sort of Ethiopia, Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, mm. um, and uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, it's very outdoorsy, you know. Get to uh, get to meet lots and lots of people, and um, and and hopefully in the end make a difference. Um, yeah, it wasn't what I was planning when I left university. I was supposed to be a conservationist, but hey, you know, farming is very close, <laughs> very close to that. Mm. <laughs> Um, and I think it's it's something that I will I will do, you know, for the rest of my life. I think it's just something that I've I've always been interested in, and and uh, and I'll be I'll be toing and froing to the end of my days. Mm. Thank you very much for for both of you um, spending your time talking to me. I really appreciate it. And um... yeah, it'll be good. You'll, I'm sure we'll be somewhere at the back of the field together, uh, in you know, duking it out yes. in the migration. But it, yeah. it should be okay. I'm very optimistic it's going to go ahead. You know, Kenya is a very progressive country. And, you know, okay, there's a small battle it's having with the UK at the moment. But, yeah. you know, they, uh, you know they, they need to open. You know, people live 
you know, day by day. So the economy has to open, things have to move so for the country mm. to survive. So I'm, I'm very, very optimistic, actually. Yeah, but the nature of the event, you know, it's not going to be, you're hardly going to see anyone. You know, it's uh, small groups of people riding on your own. There'll be big gaps in the field, you know, lots of locals around. Um, so the area itself will be, I don't think they'll probably add COVID down there. Mm. Um, so it'll be, you know, to, to, to control the event will be quite easy, I think, uh, to manage ourselves in our little bubble yeah. uh, around the campfire in the night. I think will be very easy. So I don't think from an event perspective, it'll be difficult. It'll be, it'll be purely things like you can't get travel insurance, British government or Australian government or American government are telling you not to go there. That, that will be what, what kills it, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, still a couple of months out, so we have our fingers crossed yeah. um, yep, for things to, to improve. But yeah, thank you both for for talking to me and uh, can't wait to to meet you both and yeah, do you get out on the slopes of the Masai Mara? <laughs> yes, yeah, cool. And if you, need, if, you need any, if you need any help or advice or anything you need from us or uh, just give us a shout in the meantime, you've got our emails now. Yeah. So if you need anything, give us, ping us and we're happy to help. Even if you end up just coming and there's no race, let's go for a ride. Sounds <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Namaste. <laughs> Thank you both. Yeah, an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Okay. All right. See you soon, David. And Cheers, Peter. Bye. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, Cheers, Peter. Bye. That was the conversation with David and Angus. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to that. I really enjoyed meeting both of them and can't wait to meet them in person soon. As always, go and find us over on Instagram at Chasing the Peloton and rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And until next time, keep chasing. Thank you.